Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Great Scott Podcast. Today, I am joined by legendary comedian uh, David Brenner's son, Mr. Wyatt Brenner. How's it going, Wyatt? Yeah, hi there. I'm pretty good, thanks, Mike. How about you? I'm good. Uh, how are things where you are? Yeah, great. Everything is great in sunny California. Oh, you live in California. Okay, great, great, great. Uh, I, yeah. saw, I saw that uh, your dad was from uh, Las Vegas. Uh, we lived there for quite a few years, but he was originally from Philadelphia, and then uh, he lived in New York for about 20 years after that. Okay. So uh, did your dad get his start in the cat skills? Uh, no, he got his start uh, playing comedy clubs around uh, New York City and Atlantic City, New Jersey, and Philadelphia, just playing uh, like the comedy club Pips and a few other small-time ones around there. Uh, when I think of your dad and uh, just watching him on his many, many Tonight Show appearances and then having hosted it, he seemed so calm, like one of the most cool and collected comedians <laughs> I've seen on television. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of that, uh, he was he always, like, created a dialogue. He wanted to create, like, a dialogue with the audience versus, like, a, a beginning, middle, and end sort of joke uh, format. And then uh, there was also a lot a lot of rehearsing that went on behind the scenes that not many people uh, were privy to. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. I mean, he seemed like he was just well-prepared, ready to go, and he was, like, a oh, yeah. dream. Yeah, he, I mean, he would spend hours before every show with note cards timing his set and, and doing it over and over and over, rehearsing for himself. So there was a lot of work that went into that. Did you go with your dad at all to the Tonight Show at all? Uh, no, not to the Tonight Show. Uh, his last appearance on the Tonight Show, I believe, was in the 90s. Um, so before my time, just a bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, Carson had ended his show in, like, 92. So, yeah, yeah it would have yeah. been, yeah. But uh, he's also uh, hosted the, the Tonight Show as well. Yeah, that's right. He, he hosted the Tonight Show, and I think he still currently holds the record for the most appearances total on the Tonight Show. I know, I know. That's amazing. Yeah, it's something like 158 appearances. 158. So I'm guessing him yeah. and Johnny got along real well behind the scenes. Yeah, Johnny really liked my dad. He said um, my dad, he would always uh, have to do a monologue, and most of the time, when you went on The Tonight Show, you'd only do a monologue a, a handful of times, and then the rest of the times you come on just as a guest. But my dad always had to do a monologue, and he asked Johnny why once. And Johnny told him, he said, because sometimes uh, I like to sit back, smoke a cigarette, and laugh for 10 minutes. And so he just loved, he loved my dad's humor. So he always had my dad perform monologues every time he came on the show. So uh, did your dad uh, go around traveling and touring uh, uh, around the country when he wasn't doing The Tonight Show? Oh yeah, absolutely. He he worked he worked really hard. He worked nine months out of the year touring consistently around uh, the country, and then the rest of the time he would just travel around the world uh, leisurely as, as a vacation. So he was always traveling in some fashion his for like thirty years. So uh, what kind of dad? Uh, so I'm guessing that you maybe didn't get to see a lot of him throughout the year, but uh, what kind of dad was he um, when he when he was home? Well, when uh, when I was a younger kid, he got uh, a longer-term job working in Vegas. So he actually was working at um, the Hilton for, I think, four or five nights out of the week. So for a while, we were in, uh, settled in Vegas, but he was a uh, he was an uproariously funny dude. As, much, as funny as he was on stage, it was reflected uh, tenfold at home with practical jokes and just <laughs> antics and humor constantly. Yeah, that's kind of what I, what I was going to ask you. I mean, was he the same way off stage as on? 
Oh, absolutely. He was. I'm very much the same person. Very much the same way. He talked to the audience. He talked to you, and it was always, it was always funny. He said that there's humor in everything. So there was always something he would he'd mess with you or tease you, you know, or play a trick on you or something. He was always trying to get a laugh. Oh yeah, yeah. It seems like it. And uh, one thing that uh, I I don't know uh, if it was uh, during with his uh, uh, generation of comics, but. Uh, from what I understand, especially with uh, people like Hal Marsh and Jan Murray and all these guys, and they were all just really, really close, and they all really supported one another. Um, was that kind of the case yeah. with, with your dad and all the other comedians? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my dad, I think especially back then, it was a lot harder uh, to make it. There was like there might be five or six famous comedians, and that's it. Uh, you know, so. To, to be one of those guys, they all totally stuck together. So my dad was very close with all of his fellow, fellow comedians uh, for many years. Even even in Vegas, he, he still had friends out there. Uh, I know. I mean, see George Wallace. And, yeah. I mean, basically, one thing when I uh, was watching um, David Letterman, when he was on, on David Letterman's show, uh, he mm-hmm. was working the Golden Nugget uh, like years at a time. Right. Yeah. He he worked, he started out his gig in Vegas working at the Golden Nugget. That's right. We moved out there for that, and then it moved uh, it moved elsewhere to a few different hotels uh, before he ended up going back to New York and doing the rest of his shows. So one thing, one joke that I have to tell you that I really like that your dad did was about the guy with the severed hand. He goes and oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he, he goes to the doctor, tries to get it uh, on, and he asks, "How much does it cost?" Cost you a hundred. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. So, so you know, so you know, okay. but that's kind of your dad's. Uh, that, that's my favorite of your dad's um, observation or actually storytelling joke. Yeah, he, it was one of the few storytelling jokes that he did. That's a great one. Um, those ones harken back to an older time. My grandfather was a vaudevillian, so he also uh, he did comedy in World War One, and I think that was uh, one of the jokes he passed down. Yeah, that, yeah, that's one thing that your dad said when uh, he, he was doing it. He said, I don't really tell jokes, but this is one that I'm going to give you both. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end is a, is not his normal uh, format. Yeah, sure. right, right, right. Yeah, that's not, not the comedian that he was, yeah. So, yeah, um, no, but he was always trying to help out other comedians and, you know, give them a start. Yeah, so uh, who were some of your, uh, or actually, who were some of the other comedians that were um, starting out when your dad started out? Well, I know um, yeah, Freddie Prinze was just getting his start, and my dad and him uh, were good friends. And then um, uh, you had, yeah, Bill Cosby was around then, who's unfortunate now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he was around, it was Freddie Prinze, it was um, Steve Martin. It was everybody really a catch, catch a rising star. That whole scene was happening, and my dad sort of uh, helped usher that that era in. Was Jay Jay Leno around that time too? Uh, Jay Leno, I, well, I think Jay Leno was a little uh, after the whole Carson era. So there was like a, a a period of time I think before him in the seventies and eighties, oh, you know, where okay. there was there was a different comedy scene happening. So uh, I hear that he, uh, your dad were actually here. I mean, I'm reading that your dad was really also good friends with Richard Lewis. Yeah, Richard is a great friend, a great family friend. Um, my dad and him have been friends for many, many years uh, through a lot. And, yeah, we know Richard really well. He's, he's a great guy. Oh, yeah, Richard seems like a great guy. So funny, too. Do you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah, very funny. Yeah, absolutely. Richard's performance in that show is fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah, him and Larry, the dialogue that him, and that whole show is uh, improvised. 
So uh, the dialogue right. between him and Larry is just absolutely amazing. Right, yeah, it's a good banter. No, I, I, we love Richard, and he and my dad were very close, uh, always wishing him the best. So, um, but when your dad was not moving, uh, around doing his stand-up and acting and all that, what, what did he like to do uh, when he wasn't working? Yeah, he so uh, he loved to travel. He was a, a huge traveler. Uh, he wrote uh, one of his books was "If God Wanted Us to Travel," and it's a whole guide about traveling, how to travel the world. And uh, besides that, he owned a pool hall, so we were always shooting billiards, and that's sort of his, that was his thing. You know, he just he watched comedy, he listened to music, and loved to travel. Was he always writing comedy when he wasn't performing? Oh, constantly. I mean, uh, there was ne- he was never not writing jokes or saying jokes or responding in a funny way. Or he'd read a newspaper or a headline and have to go write down a joke. It was constant. He even had a um, he had a pa- uh, a book of scratch paper near his bed. So when he woke up in the middle of the night with a joke idea, he could write it down right away. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the life of a comedian. I mean, you'll be sleeping at like two or three a.m. Something will pop in your head. Oh yeah, I need to yeah. write this down. Just funny yeah, his, how his mind was so quick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the way the way he'd write it too. He'd have note cards he'd bring on stage, but to anyone besides him, they wouldn't mean anything. These note cards would have six words on them, like toothpick, peanut butter, you know, fairy tale, and and unicorn. And to him, that would mean a joke, and he would be able to figure it out. But to anybody else, it's nonsense. So after he passed away, we have boxes and boxes of just cards with random adjectives and nouns on them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So uh, before your dad became the success that he was, did he uh, bomb a lot before he got to where he was at? Oh, absolutely. Well, so my dad was raised really poor in Philly, but he before comedy, he was actually a successful uh, documentary yeah. Uh, filmmaker. So he, he did over 100 TV documentaries and got an Emmy for one of them. But once he decided to start doing comedy, uh, he was largely unsuccessful. And even there was a Tonight Show scout that came to one of his shows and said, David Brenner will never be on the Tonight Show. His act is trash. You know, it's, it's not what we want. And so what he did is he watched the Tonight Show and figured out what he thought they wanted to hear. And he wrote uh, what he considered to be a Tonight Show set and he went and he performed it and they they brought him back and they accepted him on the show and then once he went on uh, Johnny loved him and the rest is history wow I mean I'm sure that guy uh, yeah I can't imagine what happened to that guy <laughs> yeah right yeah he'll never play the tonight show <laughs> so uh, so you spoke of his uh, documentaries that he made um, he made 115 television documentaries and won 30 awards, including an Emmy, like you just said, before ever moving right. to comedy. Yeah, that's right. He, he, it was, uh, he wanted to change the world. He wanted to make a difference. And so at first he started out doing that with the documentaries. Uh, they were about social issues and problems. But he sort of had a realization that like, he couldn't really make a difference. It didn't do, the, didn't do what he wanted. So the next best thing, he felt like laughter was the best medicine, is what uh, his father told him and what he told us. And so he decided if he could go on stage for, you know, 90 minutes, however often, and just make people laugh, it would take him away from whatever shitty things are going on in the crazy world. And so that's what he did. So um, so basically, uh, I, I was going to ask you, why uh, did he switch from uh, the documentaries to, to comedy? Uh, yeah, it, it, was, like it was just yeah. that. He just did, was disenfranchised with it and felt that, you know, he'd reached a point where he was getting an Emmy, but it just wasn't having the effect on society that he had hoped. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, so 
Also, uh, one thing about, uh, I, so, so I just have to say, I, I really love your dad, and we just love David Brenner around here. Uh, do you ever still watch your, your old, uh, like, like your dad on maybe YouTube or old episodes? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, we well, yeah. I watch him on YouTube, and then we have boxes and boxes of footage from his TV show and other appearances on TV, and we watch them all the time because you know even now uh, they're they're still so funny. The performances are hilarious, so we get to laugh as much as anyone else. I know. I mean, also speaking of uh, that uh, Tonight Show, you had everybody who got their pretty much start on there. Like I've seen clips of Eddie Murphy was on there, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, I right. mean, just everybody was on the Tonight Show. Um, before they ever right. get big, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, The Tonight Show was, I mean, back then when there were only just a few TV channels, you had to get on one of them, and The Tonight Show was the main one. So if you did that, it was it was done from there. I think my dad, before he went on The Tonight Show, he had uh, like 55 cents to his name, just like the change, literally the change in his pocket. And then he went on, and the next morning he had like $10,000 in business offers on the phone for him. Wow. So it totally changed his life. He go. He had fifty five cents in his pocket. And he... Yeah, he um, he he was living in a in an apartment in Philadelphia with his girlfriend above a laundromat, and she came home and said, you know, I, I spent the last of my money to get back here. How much do you have in the bank? And my dad said, well, we don't have a bank account, so everything we have is what's on the dresser. And she went over and counted, and it was fifty five cents. And my dad said to her, he said, if I'm ever famous, I'm gonna take this 55 cents and I'm going to put it on black felt and frame it in a sterling silver frame with the words, lest we forget below it. And then after he made his appearance on the tonight show, he did that very thing. And, uh, those coins now, uh, one of my brothers has them, but they, they sat next to his desk for the rest of his life. Wow. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he came from a very hard start. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like it. I mean, uh, he is really, truly a rags to riches kind of guy. Yeah, I think the humor, uh, my grandfather told him when he was young, like I said, that there's humor in everything. And I think that's how he dealt with uh, the poverty and strife that he had to go through as a young young guy. Yeah, so uh, pretty much um, he also got his start at like 30 years of age. Right, yeah, well, um, yeah, he was, I think he started comedy. His first appearance, if I'm not mistaken, was in like 1971. So he would have been around 30 uh, 35 there. 1975. So, I mean, yeah, 35, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, back then, uh, that, that wasn't as young as he'd like. I know at one point, uh, for many years, he lied about his age by like nine years because I guess his agent, agent told him that they wanted to see a younger guy. So, I think around his 40s or 50s, he might have started saying the wrong age. Now, <laughs> now, did, uh, did David ever encourage you to go into show business or do comedy? Um, he always encouraged us if we wanted to, he, I mean, we always, it was always an option if it was something we wanted to, uh, but uh, we are, all of us, uh, brothers are creative. My brother Cole is, uh, an, a freelance artist. I, I'm a musician. My brother Slade does art as well. So we all do some form of art, but I think comedy is just such big shoes to fill with <laughs> somebody who defined. Yeah. So I tried to get Cole on, uh, your, your brother on, uh, Unfortunately, he, he was busy, but uh, I did get you, fortunately. Yeah, right. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad to be on here. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, really, I, I just love uh, talking to um, uh, 
these famous comedians' uh, kids, uh, even though all these comedians are, are gone now, unfortunately. I mean, I get to right. hear... Right, so it's a good insight. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, um, some of them, uh, unfortunately, were not the way that they appeared on television. Uh, they were a different way. Right. I mean, so, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, do you... No, see- yeah, he was... Very wholesome guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He seemed like he was very family-oriented. I mean, a very good man and someone who just seemed like a, a loyal friend, too. Yeah, he, I, that was his whole thing was just honesty and friendship. He wanted to be the most loyal, honest person that you could always rely on. And he was, and he helped other comedians out and giving them their start and taking them on his show. And and he, he always did the same for his family and friends. And uh, there's also a uh, interesting inscription on on his grave that uh, that I saw. Yeah, there, there are two good ones. Uh, there are two good ones. The first one uh, to talk about who he was as a person says he lived, he died, but man, did he live. But then, he and lived, then yeah. on the yeah, which is a good one. And then on the back it says, "If this is a joke, I don't get it." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, is great. So is that what he uh, wanted? To have, have on yeah. Grave. yeah, yeah. He requested. He requested that. I mean, his his whole will was written up uh, very humorously as, as a great big joke in that sort of fashion. <laughs> so left it, he he left us laughing, which was another thing his uh, his father told everyone to do: leave him laughing. He actually did a tour at one point called the Leave Him Laughing Tour. Yeah, uh, yeah, I actually remember that. Yeah. Well, I'm 28, yeah. but I mean, I, I remember that. Yeah. So, uh, right. I, I actually do uh, stand-up comedy myself, and I just got into it. Uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty addicting. Um, once you get, the, yeah. Once you get the audience laughing, I mean, it's really kind of like a drug. Um, once you, yeah, it's an amazing thing to have people feed off of you like that and, and laugh. It feels good to make other people feel good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was talking to uh, Bill Ingvall, um uh, here about two or three weeks ago uh, from the Blue Collar Tour, and uh, he says that uh, he's he, that's one thing he loves. I mean, making people feel good, and he's been so blessed to do what he did, what, what he's done for so long. And um, I mean, he, he pretty much said the same thing. I mean, uh, it's just one of the most addicting things once you get into it, and and you make those people laugh. And you just can't cannot get away from it. Right, yeah, I think there's something really great in uh, just taking people away from whatever's bothering them for any amount of time, if you can, with laughter. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so ha- so have you tried stand-up comedy? Oh, here and there. I mean, when, when I was a younger kid, uh, my dad even took us on stage with him a few times. And it's great. I mean, it, it, it's a great thing. I just, like I said, you know, it's so hard when, <laughs> when your father, you know, helped define observational comedy. I know. I mean, basically, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, going back to him, has cited your dad as one of his uh, influences from what I read. Yeah, well, I mean, my dad was the first person to use the line, as far as I know, did you ever notice? I'm pr- I think he did it on <laughs> his first night show appearance, you know, and that was well before Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, your dad was way before. I mean, yeah, way before Seinfeld. But anyways, so... Uh, so pretty much did your dad uh, always, I mean, kind of make fun of you guys as well in his act? Oh, yeah, of course. He, I mean, he, he, my dad hated having kids. I was, I was, I was, he was 62 when I was born. So he, he waited 62. as long as he could to have, yeah, he, so he waited as long as he could to have kids. And then he had me last. And then he, he was so ready to get rid of us uh, our whole childhood. So he, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't hesitate to uh, make jokes about being a father and how much he, he may have regretted it. But I think he loved it as much as he hated it, you know, to give and a take. Right, right. I mean, so um, how did uh, 
your mom handle it uh, while your dad was away for so long? Right. Well, so my parents split up. I the, my they did. Uh, my dad did an HBO special um, back with a vengeance in 2001, I believe. And at the very end of that special, my parents got married as a surprise on on television on HBO. And then about a year after that, they got divorced. <laughs> that wasn't on HBO. They couldn't get the special. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the nature of the business. That sounded so romantic, and then. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But HBO didn't want anything to do with the, the signing of the divorce papers, so they did that privately. And then uh, we we grew up in separate households, so it was it was never an issue. So um, I'm also reading something else about, uh, and you can choose to talk about this or not. I mean, pretty much there was kind of a mm-hmm. custody battle that went on. Oh, I, my dad fought a custody battle for my oldest brother, Cole, back way back in the day, and he won that. Um, and then my dad was actually, uh, he was a spokesperson for, uh, like, Fathers of America who try to get custody of their sons, because I think back then the statistic was, like, 9 out of 10 times that you have a custody, the, the mother gets more visiting time and everything like that. And my dad always tried to get equal equal rights for fathers as far as that went. Um, yes. Oh, okay. okay. So, what uh, did your dad continue to work up until the day he passed away? He did. He did. He always, he always said that if he couldn't work, he didn't want to live. And so, even up until he passed away, he was working actually on this project where he had watched hundreds of videos of different comedians that weren't known, and uh, he chose the ones that he thought that if they had gotten their chance back when he was a young kid that they would have been famous comedians. So he chose the cream of the crop, and then he was starting a tour to, to show all these comedians where they'd all go on stage, followed up, you know, and he would go on stage to introduce them and everything. Uh, so even even up till the end, he was trying to help out uh, young starting comedians and continue working himself. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there wasn't YouTube or anything like that. There was no Internet back then, but um, mm-hmm. I think that uh, comedy's gotten even tougher ever since your, your dad started. Oh, and that's what, and that's absolutely what he, that's what he felt and why he was doing that. Cause he thought when he started, there was three channels, you know, so you get on this night show and everybody sees you, but now yeah. you could get on, there's a thousand TV channels. It doesn't matter if you get on TV once or twice. So it, it takes a lot more now. It's a much a greater barrier to entry. So that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to help out, you know, those comedians that just can't, can't get their shot. I know. I mean, it seems like everybody's a star now. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's very it's very hard. It's a strange market to be in. <laughs> I know. I mean, to reach the legendary status as well. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I don't think we'll see another legend in comedy for a while. Yeah, who knows? Fingers crossed, because I want a good laugh. <laughs> I think that maybe the best best person who has that status or that chance of becoming a status, and, and this is just my opinion. Maybe I'm sure that you probably have. It. Have different ones, but uh, I would say that the best person who has a chance of becoming a legend in comedy again is is Bo Burnham, in my my opinion. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I've seen his stuff before. It's it's his his comedy. It's so interesting. It's like a uh, comedy is always changing, and his, his comedy is such an interesting style. I've always appreciated it. I know, I know. I mean, uh, there's some uh, observational and well, okay, anyways. But I mean, so you so you've seen that, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, right. So it sounds like that you watch other com- uh, comedians and comedy as well. Yeah, I, I, I try to. I mean, I always I always need a good good laugh as much as anyone else does. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Absolutely. So um, my 
final question for you for uh, for this one is: um, Did your dad uh, ever give advice to any other aspiring comedians? Um, and uh, if so, what what was that advice? Yeah, I think uh, I mean he he gave a lot of advice, but uh, I think his main thing was that uh, you just you just say what you think is funny, and you know people are going to like you or they're not. You know he did, he was never one to worry too much about being necessarily politically correct or whatever he was described as warped you know and that's the truth because there are things in this world that are funny and that they're also a little offensive and so there's a lot of overlap there and i think it's important and he would want everyone to remember that you know the world is made to be laughed at so don't be too scared to you know to go head first and uh, i just want to say one more thing about your dad and um I wish that uh, your dad was still around to, to do comedy. Like I said, he was one of the funniest people that I've honestly ever seen. I mean, we still watch the Tonight Show clips of it from him and Gary Shanley and all those other guys that were on there. And, yeah, uh, yeah. That was like the perfect generation for comedy, like 60s and 70s and even up to the 80s. But um, it, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. He would appreciate that. I mean, we wish, we wish he was around too to still make everyone laugh. Very funny guy. Now is your now is your mom still around? Yeah, my mom is still around. Uh, she lives in uh, upstate New York, and she's an artist. Uh, she uh, runs a nonprofit organization called Spread Your Wings, where they focus on like uh, using art and art therapy to help heal. And I, they just did a big donation for the shooting in Vegas that happened a year ago to donate a large sculpture. Oh, so that's yeah, what she's yeah, up to. Yeah. Oh, I, I know what I was going to say about your dad. Uh, you know, I'll end on this. Um, your dad was not a beat, beat you over the head with his comedy kind of guy like some comedians are today. I mean, um, mm -hmm. yeah, when you watch the old, these old comedians, I mean, they were pretty much clean for the most part. Um, uh, I'm sure that behind the scenes they, they weren't so clean, but I mean, when you saw them on TV, it was just uh, really right, clean. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like they all got along, were friends, and uh, comedy mm -hmm. wasn't as brutal back then as, as it is today, I'm sure. Right, there was a, a more of a sense of camaraderie, it seems, than there is now, where they're sort of all in it together versus all, you know, working against each other. I know, I mean, you watch the roast on TV today, like with Jeff Ross and all those guys, I mean, it's pretty pretty raunchy there. Yeah, yeah, well, my dad always tried to keep it clean. It's like, while they're at home, and, you know, he might he might slip in a joke here or there, generally, he, he always believed, you know, you didn't need to be vulgar to be funny, and I, I think that's true, too. I think it's a mark of a good comedian, somebody that can make you laugh without, you know, having to do something uncomfortable or oh yeah oh yeah absolutely i mean i was uh, one thing also that bill uh, told me was that people seem to gravitate more towards that than the dirty people like uh the lenny bruces or bob saggots or anything like that right right yeah well of course and it's like even even as funny as that stuff is at a point uh it just i think people get uncomfortable and i think that uh you know the other type of humor that makes them laugh is you know, it's an equal laugh, so... <laughs> right, absolutely. I mean, like I said, uh, I wish that your dad was still around. I mean, um, but... Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I think that... Uh, I mean, I'll, I, I know I said that I'll, that I'll end on this, but I mean, uh, but I, I do want to ask you this one final question. Do you think that we will ever see another David Brenner? Um, I think so. I think there are more frontiers to be crossed in comedy, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see uh, some young hilarious guy come up and just try to make the world laugh again i would hope so yeah <laughs> and if not if not we're all done for <laughs> oh well that's that's true you're just uh, letting comedy live on forever
Right, yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, Wyatt, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for calling. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Have, have, uh, have a good day. Yeah, you as well.